0: Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Good morning to you. Thank you for that. Uh, it, is, it is great to see all of you here. Uh, we've got some new lights for the stage uh, big thanks to Jason Fry and our tech team for making that happen. Uh, I'm excited for today uh, for a variety of reasons. It's going to be a really good day. It's good to see all of you guys smiling and and uh, just here with us today. It is super cold outside, and I'm glad that all of you are here. I encourage you to bring your friends to church. I encourage you to tell people about Jesus, um, because if you like what's happening here, then they need to be a part of it. Uh, we are right in the middle of our new message series for January called Fueled. And uh, in the middle of an initiative here for the theme for the entire month that we are using a hashtag called FueledED for the future that way everybody can be connected to this story. And this message series is really all about the person of the Holy Spirit, that the Bible calls the Holy Spirit and discovering the spiritual fuel that he provides for our lives so that we can live a productive life. And last week we began with sort of a one-on-one. It was Holy Spirit 101. And the idea was, who is this Holy Spirit that we're talking about? We hear it all over the place in the Bible. We see him operating, but What is He all about? And the big idea of last week that we said was that the Holy Spirit was sent to fuel our spiritual engines. So it's like the catalyst, that it is the thing that gives us energy and pushes us forward in our faith. Well, this week, I want to ask this question. If the Holy Spirit is the fuel for our spiritual engines, then what does that engine produce? Like, what is the purpose of the engine? What does the engine produce when the Holy Spirit fuels it? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to explore a passage of scripture that tells us exactly what the engine of our faith produces when it is fueled by the Holy Spirit. And we live in Lawrenceville, or I do. I live here in the neighborhood. And one of the things that I have realized over the last few years as in living in this neighborhood is that one of the most popular things to do in this neighborhood is to garden. Uh, which is interesting because growing up, I wouldn't have thought that gardening was really possible in the city. It's called the urban jungle because it's concrete and it's, there's skyscrapers and there are buildings and everything is compact. And traditionally in cities, you don't even see trees very often. But in Lawrenceville particularly, and in a lot of cities and kind of urban sort of maybe more upcoming areas, there has been a return to the concept of gardening. Now, I am not a gardener, okay? I don't know really anything about gardening, but what I have been told is that if you want to grow healthy, delicious fruit, there are a few things that you have to do in order for that to happen. One of the things that you have to do, as I've been told, and this seems pretty obvious, is that you have to create a space for the garden to grow in. So if you have a backyard or there's people who actually in our next-door neighbors, the, the people who used to live there had a bathtub in the backyard, an old sort of clawfoot tub that they dug out, they put it in the ground, and then they filled it with soil, and then they had a garden growing in an old bathtub. So you have to create a space for there to be a garden to grow. The second thing that I've been told is you actually have to have good soil. You have to use good soil for something to grow into. And then lastly, and among other things, there are others, but I was also been told that you need to use things like fertilizer and water it regularly so that that it has the ability to grow so that you're tending to it so that it will grow and produce fruit. And when you do, you end up with this luscious garden. And we actually have our next door neighbors, the ones who, who jut up right against ours. We have a fence in our backyard. Then every year they share with us their tomatoes and some of the cucumbers and, and the variety of things that grow in their garden. So I've seen this work, but what happens if in the garden instead you use bad soil? What would happen to the, to the fruit of that garden if you put it in the ground that was not full of nutrients, that had rocks in it and wasn't a healthy soil? What would happen that instead of using fertilizer, instead of watering it regularly, that perhaps you use some other kind of chemical or put something else into the soil that was maybe harmful? If the, if the fruit grew at all, if the plant actually produced any kind of fruit when you ate it, it would probably be harmful to you. It would be dangerous to eat because it would contain whatever was poisonous or harmful inside of that fruit because of what, it came, what, was, what was put in it. Now, as we're discussing the topic of the Holy Spirit, all throughout Scripture, we see this pattern of what happens is, is that the conditions for our faith to grow in is important. What we see is, is that just the same thing with, with plants or with vegetables or, or trees, that the conditions that they are grown in determines the fruit that come from those trees. It's the same thing that happens in our faith. And so I think it's no wonder why in Scripture Jesus and the apostles talk about fruit. They talk about plants all the time because it's important for us to understand that the conditions that we, that we, that we put into our lives spiritually will result in the kind of fruit that comes out, of our spiritual lives. So what I want to do today is look at a passage of scripture from the book of Galatians that actually talks about fruit and talks about it. So in the context of the Holy Spirit, so we're asking this question today. If last week was that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit was sent to be fuel for our spiritual engines, then the question we're asking today is, is what does that engine produce when fueled by the Holy Spirit? So if you guys have your Bibles, Open them up to the book of Galatians. That's in the New Testament that was written to a group of people who can be found in modern-day Turkey. Galatia was an area in modern-day Turkey. If you have your Bibles, turn there to Galatians chapter 5, and it'll also be on the screen, or if you have a smartphone or a tablet in the Bible app, I encourage you to get that. We're going to begin reading in verse verse 16 of chapter 5. And this is what he says. We're going to kind of pause along the way and make some comments here. So I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So right away we see two separate choices, two separate entities that are present. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Have you ever heard the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Let me see your hand if you've ever heard that phrase before. What this part of the passage of Scripture is saying, the Apostle Paul who wrote it, he is not denying that we want to be good. I think this is where people, a lot of people get hung up is that the Bible says there is not one good person. No one is good. And there are people who I've talked to who go, I don't believe that. I believe you can be a good person without, without having to know Jesus. You can be a good person. And I think the word good is relative. What the Bible is saying in that particular concept is that no one has the ability to save themselves. And he even admits, he says, you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Like all of us want to be good people. All of us want to do good things. But what he's actually saying here is that there is a war that is raging inside of us, this sinful nature, this thing that is inherently deeply rooted inside of us that does not allow us to do good things, lasting good things. Because what happens is, is that what ends up happening is, is that the good intentions that we have end up becoming corrupted. And we see it all the time. We see people who do good things, people who who are out there trying to do good things. They set up good organizations, and over time, what happens? It becomes corrupted by selfishness or greed or, or whatever it is that's a part of us. All good things come to an end, right? We say that. Why? Because everything in this world decays because of the sinful nature that lives within us, and in fact, is even living in creation because of it. And he says that if left to our own methods... That without the assistance of the Holy Spirit, without the fuel of the Holy Spirit giving us goodness, cleaning us out, we have no way to be good ourselves. And we become like this garden that has been filled with some kind of chemical that produces fruit that is destructive, destructive fruit. We go on in verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature... Here's the fruit. He's saying this is the results of of when we're left to ourselves. And they're very clear. He says sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Now those things all sound like ancient things, right? Like we've got some wizard over here and And we have, uh, you know, idolatry. We don't think of like temples with idols anymore, right? Those types of things, but they're just in different forms. But here are some that we see all the time, I think, in our modern society. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. When's the last time you ever yelled at anybody? I have. Selfish ambition, dissension, Division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And he finishes and he says, Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's drawing a pretty clear picture of what the fruit of ourselves, when left to our own devices, produces. The garden of our lives when we when we don't have Christ in our life. I think we see it everywhere. I mean, it's not hard for us to see that this passage is validated. We can look at our friends. We can look at our own relationships. We can look at the news. Like just, just yesterday or, or the day before, there was a shooting at the airport in Fort Lauderdale. And then just before that, there was an airport bombing. And, and, and we see these things happening everywhere. We see slavery taking place in our own nation and around the world. Like we see uh, Wall Street and its greed, right? I mean, all of these things that are on this list are not far from our world. We see it happening everywhere. And even the smallest of things, none of us are immune to the fruit, the destructive fruit of our sinful nature. I think that's what he's drawing the picture here. But this passage... It is not about our sinful nature. It's not about like our, our destructive habits and the destructive fruit. This is what I love about Jesus. This is what I love about the gospel is that it doesn't just say you are terrible. It doesn't just leave you in a place to say you should feel ashamed of yourself. You should feel guilty. No, it says, but there is good news. Here's what the passage is actually about. It's actually about the Holy Spirit. And it's actually about how when we choose to give our lives to God. When we say, yes, Jesus, I want your hope. I want your life. I want your freedom. I want your goodness. I don't want greed. I don't want destructive nature. I don't want slavery. I don't want sin. I don't want these things that destroy me and my relationships and my family and my friend and leave me broken. I don't want those things. When we say yes to Jesus, what we see is this passage of Scripture actually teaches us that our output changes dramatically that we become a new creation, different people, powered, fueled by the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And when that happens, we don't become destructive people anymore. Our fruit goes from being evil and destructive and harmful and poisonous to becoming life-giving and healing and loving. That's wonderful. Our spiritual engines come alive and we say yes to Jesus, and it produces life-giving fruit that lets us live healthy lives, and it changes our world. And this is what he says in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So he had already showed you, this is the world that we live in, but now the Holy Spirit does this. Love, joy, peace. Those things sound good, don't they? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. And then he finishes with this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. He he says that we have a responsibility. He says your sinful nature is not going to go away. In the spirit of God, you are making the choice to either till the ground of your heart with poison or making the choice to put fertilizer and cleaning and healing agents of the Holy Spirit into your garden's ground, into the soil. He says, if you choose to follow Christ, you must say no. You nail, I love the imagery, you must nail your passions. Not your good passions, like the sinful passions, the things that cause death and poison. Nail them to the cross of Christ and crucify them there. Whoa! By the way, crucifixion was the death penalty. So it wasn't just like this beautiful necklace that we hang around our neck. That was like the electric chair or the gas chamber or the firing squad or the noose. And that's what he's saying. We have to say, I'm making a choice to follow Jesus and allow the spirit of God to change my life. But in doing so, we have to say, I'm putting you greed on the electric chair. I'm putting you uh, lustful pleasures. I'm putting the things that have caused me down the path of poison. To be crucified in my life. You see, we have a distinction between these two places, these two gardens, if you will. When we see what the Spirit produces and what our own sinful nature produces, it's like it's like this. Paul is trying to say that the Holy Spirit is like the antidote for poison. An antidote, like a we have, I think, right here, like this, this idea of like the place that you run to. I need healing. I'm dying. I'm I'm withering on the vine. It's like an antidote. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is a cure. For a disease, we have this poison, this this rampant thing that lives inside of us and it's contagious, and the Holy Spirit comes in and it cures it. It gives us the ability to not have the symptoms of it any longer. It says that He's the catalyst chemical that changes the DNA composition of something. That's pretty heavy. If any of you guys remember chemistry, and I did not do well in chemistry, but one of the things that I remember most about it is sometimes you can introduce a chemical into another compound. And it has a chain reaction, and it actually becomes a different thing. It's not just this plus. It becomes a new thing. That's what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does to us. It's like a computer, it overwrites the code of our sinful nature and makes us like Jesus. The Holy Spirit begins to give us the DNA of Jesus in our spirit. It changes us. It makes us a new person. So now our fruit becomes healthy fruit. It becomes delicious tasting fruit. The result is the Holy Spirit. The result is the fruit of that Spirit. And so that's the big idea. If you're taking notes today, write this down, is that the fuel of the Holy Spirit produces healthy fruit. The fuel of the Spirit produces healthy fruit. When we choose to inject the Holy Spirit into our life, when we choose to say, I want what you want, I want to look like Jesus, I want to act like Jesus, the result of Him operating in your life is healthy fruit. The fruit that is produced, it tastes good. It is attractive. And it always invites others to join into that feast. But here's what the sinful nature does. The fruit of the sinful nature divides. It conquers. It uses. And it excludes. That's where you can see the fruit. The fruit of the sinful nature will always use others at an expense of yourself. But the fruit of the spirit will always create health and community and growth. We are told in the passage at the end there several times to choose the Spirit and to follow its leading in every aspect of our lives. And with the short remaining time we have left, I want to ask this question. We know then, we asked the question in the beginning, that if if the Holy Spirit was sent to be this fire, the fuel our spiritual engines, and we asked the question, well, then what does that fuel produce? What does that engine produce? We now know that the spiritual engine produces healthy fruit when powered by the Holy Spirit the question I would ask now is, what effect does that fruit have? Like, why did the fruit of the Spirit, why is it important and what effect does it have? And I would challenge you to think about this. I believe that the effect is that you become, you and I, become the vehicle for God to bring healing to the world. That the fruit of the Spirit is the vehicle, we become that vehicle to bring healing to the world in two ways. The first When we allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our life, he brings healing to ourselves within first. Always within. Jesus is wonderful in that way. He has a vision. He has eyes for the entire world. He sees your wife. He sees your grandchildren. He sees your generations to come. He sees the children who have been stolen by Boko Haram. He sees the terrorists in other nations. He sees everything that is going on. But at the same time, he sees you. He sees your brokenness. He sees your heart. He sees how you feel lonely and hurt. He sees where, you're, where you need bandaged up. And I love that whenever we meet Jesus, he always stops where we need him and he heals us where we are at before he ever asks anything of us. And so simultaneously, the Holy Spirit has come inside of me that heals my body, heals my heart. It has helped me over my life. But at the same time, when I begin to grow and heal, then he sends me out to bring healing to other people. It's beautiful. Healing within ourselves. Verse 22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, and peace. Those are inward qualities. Love, joy, and peace are things deep inside. He gives us love. When we say yes to the Holy Spirit, love instead of rejection and loneliness. He gives us joy instead of sadness and strife. He gives us peace in place of unease and chaos. You see, these are things that are on the inside that no one can give us. No relationship that I have, no no circumstance in my life can give me inward love, joy, and peace. These are things that only come from the Spirit of God. And when we choose to give our lives to Jesus, when we say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit is, in my life, have control. I want you to dig out the old soil. I want you to remove the poison of my sinful nature. When we say yes to that, he begins to plant the seeds of love and the seeds of joy and the seeds of peace. And it takes time sometimes for them to grow. But I am a way different person today than I was when I first met Jesus. I was when I first met him, I was a broken, destroyed young man who had made decisions in his life that left me shattered. And he began to bring me to a place of where I could love myself again. He began to bring me to a place where I had joy, even though my life still sucked in so many ways. He gave me a place where I had peace in my heart that, that was beyond anything. I was being made fun of in high school. I was I was in a horrible place, and yet I found a peace. It is only available through Jesus Christ because of the fruit of the Spirit. You see, I found healing in myself first, and that is the effect of the fruit of the Spirit. And when we follow the Spirit's leading, the fruit of love and joy and peace begins to grow in our lives But it's only then when we find healing in ourselves can we then begin to be that vehicle to take it to other people. And that's what happens. That's the pattern we see in Scripture is that Jesus comes to us, he helps us, he heals us, and then he sends us. And we see that in the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22 and 23, the other ones are patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I've kind of grouped them into two groups Patience, kindness, and goodness. These all have to do with how we treat other people. You see, do you see the pattern? That first we get love, joy, and peace, the things that change who we are, the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see other people. And only then, when we've received that healing, can we then take it outwardly and give patience to other people who don't have that fruit? It takes patience to be able to, to be able to love a person who is frustrating, who is angry all the time. But God gives us his patience inside of us, and we can be patient with him. He gives us kindness to people who, who, who don't deserve kindness, people who are angry all the time, or people who want to hurt us. We result in kindness instead of, instead of uh, repelling people away. And goodness, this is the way that we treat people. You see, these things build bridges, and they transport hope. They transport life. You see, we said that the vehicle to bring God's love, his hope, and life, and healing to people is the fruit of the Spirit. He heals us first, and then he transports it to them through patience, through kindness, and through goodness. What about the last three? Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things stem again from the inside, but they have to do with our character. They have to do with the foundation of who we are, and it sets the tone for how we treat other people. Let me show you how. When I become a faithful person, what does it do? It builds trust. When I am a faithful person, when I exhibit faithfulness as the Spirit builds that up in me, some of us have, been having, have had trouble with, with being faithful or being, um, being trustworthy. But when the Spirit of God gets a hold of us and begins to mature in us and we become, you know, it's fruit. I like to think of it as like a cornucopia, right? You ever seen like on Thanksgiving, you've got that table and the cornucopia with all the fruit and stuff inside of it? Love, joy, and peace are just kind of like grapes and apples. And then you come up with patience, kindness, and goodness. And now you've got some bananas growing and maybe a coconut or something in there. I don't know. And now you get faithfulness, you get gentleness and self-control, and now you're adding exotic fruits like kiwi. And you're putting other things in there. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But the point is, is that, it's, is that you, you begin to get more of a garden. God is not just planting one thing in you. He begins to mature your garden of your spirit inside of you. And as, as he begins to work inside of you, faithfulness is a foundational thing. And now people can trust you. I show up when I say I'm going to be there. When I am needed, I am there. I don't let things outside of me determine whether I can be relied upon because I know that Jesus is always relied upon. And that begins to rub off on me. Do you see how that works? What about, what about gentleness? There was a time, and still sometimes it happens, where someone, someone says something angry to me or somebody, somebody hurts my feelings and I don't, I don't always respond the way that I'm supposed to. And sometimes I lash out in anger or frustration and I say something I'm not supposed to say. But when the Spirit of God takes over my life, He begins to grow gentleness inside of me. I treat people with a, with a gentleness. I, I admire that. I see people who have the ability, when they're being spit in their face, to be able to show people kindness, gentleness, like respond with that. Because here's what it does. Just like faithfulness builds trust, gentleness... Doesn't repel people. Remember what I said earlier. The fruit of the Spirit calls people, it invites people, whereas the sinful fruit divides and pushes people away. Do you see what's happening here? Faithfulness builds trust, it calls people into relationship. Gentleness doesn't push people away, it calls them and says, This is a safe place. And self control this is the hardest one, and probably why it's the last one. Self control. So many of us want things. That was what he said, right? He says we're not free to carry out our good intentions. We want good things. but And we know and we make the same decisions and same mistakes over and over and over again because of a lack of self-control, even when we know better, even when we know what's right and what's healthy and, and we've been healed. Even as Christians of many, many years who know God's goodness, we still do things that are dumb, things that get us into trouble, things that hurt us, things that still result in in and, and fruit that damages things. It's because of self-control. But when we learn to say no, when we learn to control ourselves, which is only capable through the power of God's spirit, we can make good, healthy choices. And those choices affect the people around us. Do you see the foundations of what the fruit of the Spirit does is it heals us first and then it transforms us and we begin to treat people differently. And when we treat them like Jesus would treat them, he brings healing to those relationships. You have to treat people like Jesus would if you ever want your marriage to get better. You have to treat your coworker like Jesus would treat them if you want your work relationship to get better. You have to treat your children like Jesus would treat them if you want your relationship with your kids to get better. You have to treat the person down the street who frustrates you, who has a tree growing over your yard like Jesus would if you want them to know Jesus. Whatever the situation might be, we have to allow the Spirit of God to speak in contrary to what our natural selves will do because what we have seen is the fruit of our natural decision-making will result in destruction, in frustration, in people not knowing Jesus. And last night, Friday night, when we were out there on the street, we met people who were not Christians by a long shot, and some of them were angry. And I believe it's because they met Christians who were operating out of themselves instead of operating out of the spirit of God that lives within them and that has come to save that person. The Holy Spirit has been sent to fuel our spiritual engines. If our worship team wants to come forward. But the fruit of the spirit produces healthy fruit which results in healthy lives and healthy relationships. You see, people get freaked out when they hear about the Holy Spirit. They think, all, all they think about when they hear about it is, is things like you know, yelling and screaming and laughing and babbling in weird languages and, and, and crazy stuff, you know? But the Bible talks about the Spirit of God. In so many more ways, and the primary functioning of the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about. It is a fuel, it is a fire, and its first thing that it does is it refines us. It changes us and makes us like Jesus. We have to be receptive to the Spirit of God. We have to say, okay, I want that. I want the fruit of the Spirit of God living inside of me so that I can bring healing, so that I can be the vehicle to healing to this world. So, what are our next steps? How can we we take this with us? How can we move forward with this? The first thing is, how can we experience this principle? If we know that the Spirit of God has been that fuel produces healthy fruit, how can I experience that regularly? I would say to listen to and choose the direction of the Spirit. In order for you to begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, if you want healing in your life in any of those nine spaces, You have to begin to listen to the Spirit of God in your heart. And you have to choose to follow His direction. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I mentor a boy at a school every week uh, here at the local middle school. And I I, uh, was leaving, hanging out with him for a half an hour this past week. And I was getting ready to put my coat on, and I had a new scarf that I had gotten for Christmas. It's for a soccer team uh, that I follow in England and um love it i was just wearing it and i I was like hey look at this christmas present that i got and was showing the boy and he was so excited He's like, oh this is awesome i don't have a scarf i had to wear two hoodies today and and because it's so cold outside he's this is great i like soccer and he's and the whole time i felt like the holy spirit said to me and this is kind of what, what i'm relating to the spirit i felt so deeply in my heart he said i want you to give him your scarf so he's sitting there going oh this is so warm this is so nice meanwhile Jared, regenerated Jared, is sitting here going, I don't want to. It's that's my Christmas present. I I like it a lot. Seriously, he's he's like, this is so comfortable and it's so wild. This is great, like this is awesome, you know. And I would love to have a scarf like this, and the whole time I'm having an argument with God in my heart. Like, no, it's mine! Like like Gollum, my precious, you know, it's like how I felt. So at the end, he uh, he kind of gives it back to me, and I'm literally putting it around. I'm like folding it up, I'm like, you know, buttoning my coat. And the whole time, I feel like God is just going, I said to give it to him. And i was feeling still guilty. I was feeling, I, and I can't explain it to you. If you've, ever, if you've ever heard the spirit of God, sometimes it's a nudge. Sometimes it's, you just know it, right? And I finally said, and here's where I'm going with the story. And I finally said, hey, I want you to have this. And you know what happened in that exact moment? I learned two things. One, I learned that I have got a long way to go, folks. I still have a long way to go in following and exhibiting this fruit. Okay. But here's what else happened. The moment that I said, Hey, I want you to have this. The moment I stepped into a place of obedience, I felt free. I was excited. I was like, no, no, no. I'm so excited. I got all, At that moment, it's like a, like a switch flipped. I was like, I want you to have it. Like, and he was like, no, 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 no. I I can't take that. And I I said, I want you. I was like trying to coerce him. I was trying to like bribe him. I was like, I'll get you like candy next week if you take this thing. And like, I mean, I was just so excited. I learned something. I learned something. The first thing that I learned was that I've got a long way to go. But the second thing that I learned was that when you choose to obey and listen to and follow the direction of the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. Everything. You're light. Like I just became a light human being. Like there was, I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel shame. I was excited. I wanted to share with this guy. And I finally felt like I understood even in a fraction of a moment of that passage, it says it is better to give than to receive. Like in that moment, I was like, who cares? You can have my scarf. I've got three more at home. I'll give you those too. Like I was so happy. I wanted to give it to him. That's what happens when we listen to the spirit of God. At first, it rubs right up against the territory that is still held by our sinful nature. But the spirit of God comes in and bangs the door down and says, this is my house. And when he comes in, he, he says, but I will not take it unless you give me permission. And when I give him permission, oh man, it's so great how it cleans up the rest of the house. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. If you want to experience this power, this healing in your life, it starts with listening to and choosing the direction of the Spirit. But what if you want to explore more of this? I recognize there are people in our room here. This is new. They're not sure where they want to go with it. They, I don't know enough about it. Some of you like to look up other passages. And how do I know that Jared's not just making this stuff up? Well, here, check these passages of Scripture out. Matthew 7, verses 16 to 23. In John chapter 15, verses one through eight, they talk about the fruit. They're from Jesus's words. They talk about fruit and how things grow and what he does in our lives that incorporates this concept we talked about today. I encourage you to read those passages. Meditate on them this week. And how can I now express this? If I wanna begin allowing God to do this, how can I express what God has done in my life? I encourage you to to develop the fruit in your life through healthy Christian relationships. We have life groups that start, that are gonna be starting up early next month. We have our dream team. I encourage you to begin operating like Jesus, to join a team. Don't just come to church, get up, join a team. Come to starting point this afternoon. Like when our life groups start up, don't say, oh, I'm busy on these nights. Make it a priority to develop relationships with other Christians because iron sharpens iron. We become like Jesus as we rub off on each other. You can develop this fruit. You'll begin to work in it. You'll see, you can be honest with each other about how you failed. And then someone else will say, I failed in that area too. And you encourage each other and you grow. And the next time you'll remember that. You see, you see the process here? Would you stand with me and pray? Jesus, we thank you that you have drawn a clear distinction, a clear picture between what you provide and what we have ourselves, what we produce on our own. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you did not just leave us to die and to kill each other and to, to just destroy and collect our things for ourselves and result in endless loneliness. Thank you that you are always there. Thank you that you care about me. Thank you that you care about my neighbor. Thank you that you care about the people I've never met, people who believe differently than I do. I'm tired of growing a garden of poisonous fruit. I have tasted your fruit. I've tasted the goodness. I've tasted your faithfulness. I've tasted your love and your joy and your peace. And I want that in my life. I want, I want that fruit to be growing and overflowing in the garden of my heart. And if that's what you want today, I just encourage you to just, just posture your heart in that same place. Just tell them with your words or with, your, with your, just your mind and your heart. You can say it out loud or not. You can just say, I want the fruit of your spirit, Jesus. Help me to experience your, your healthy fruit in my life. Help me to say yes, like that experience piece That I want to say yes to what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Help me to listen to your spirit, God. Help me to be receptive to your spirit that lives inside of me. Help me to stir it up like we talked about last week with the chocolate milk. It's there, but it needs stirred up to become evident. And Would you begin to draw lines for us, Jesus, in our lives? What are the areas of our life that we have bad soil or we're tilling it with, with poisonous compounds? And would you send your Holy Spirit to clean that area, to be the cure for the disease, the antidote to the poison that runs through our veins? We follow you, Jesus we follow you, Jesus. Thank you that you've given us life and hope. We're a good, good God. Just, let's just sit here in, a, in this moment for a second and let the Spirit speak to you. Maybe, maybe he'll, he'll whisper something to you. Perhaps he'll even scream it in your ear. Let's just let's just, just sit and pause for just a moment before we close. like there was something specific there that maybe maybe you heard a word or a phrase or just some kind of an inkling, I encourage you to meditate on that. And if it was an action item, I encourage you to act on it. And this is a process of trial and error. I don't think you can ever go wrong doing something good. So even if you heard something, but it was just maybe your mind acting on it, I think you'll see good things. But if you can't shake something from your mind, if you can't, if you feel like it keeps coming back, it's probably the Spirit of God trying to tell you something. And it takes time to learn and hear the voice of God clearly. I just encourage you to to step into that first thing we're talking about, of listening to and following the direction of the Spirit of God. So God, we close today by saying thank you for speaking to us. We give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. Thank you that you sent your spirit so that we can be healed. We follow after you because you are the only thing worth following in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.